to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great, great to be in worship with you this morning. I want to remind you that on Mondays from noon to about 12.30, we're having a Closing the Distance conversation on Facebook Live. We're all talk with a pastor kind of about the themes of the previous Sunday's sermon. If you have questions or clarifications that you want to submit, you can do that on the church website, roswellpress.org, or email terry at terry at roswellpress.org, and she uh, will submit them, and it's going to be a fun conversation. Today we continue our Lenten sermon series, Less is More. What are the things in our lives that are suffocating us spiritually? Is it possible to have too much of a good thing? What is preventing us from flourishing as human beings? Last week we talked about how less media can allow us to become more human, more of who God has created and called us to be. I'd like to thank everyone who sent me emails talking about the, the family fights that they had over lunch about the sermon topic, so hopefully we can work on reconciliation. <laughs> In today's passage, we're going to find Jesus going over to Martha's house for dinner. Let's open our hearts and minds to listen to the word of the Lord from Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, He entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher. Lord, you might show us, shine a light on our lives, how maybe busyness is crowding out, distracting us from what is really, truly important in our lives. Now may the words of your, my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you ever feel like that bumper sticker that reads, I'm too busy to tell people how busy I am? Busyness has almost become a virtue in our culture. It's a badge of honor, a status symbol. Our busyness demonstrates our worth and value in a fast-paced culture. But in the midst of our busyness, are we really getting anywhere? Remember that old Lily Tomlin line, the trouble with the rat race is, is that if you win, you're still a rat. A few years ago, my wife was serving on a local nonprofit board, and every year they had this 5K race, it was a fundraiser for the organization. 
And so on this particular Saturday, all these people gathered at the starting line. We were getting ready to, to go off on this race. The time for the beginning of the race came and went, and we noticed some police officers were there, and they were directing people where to move the cones. And what, what I later found out is the race organizers never got clearance on the race route. And so the police kind of changed the route at the last minute. Well, we were there at the starting line, and eventually the horn goes off. And I'll be honest with you, I am not now, nor have I ever been the fastest person out there, like Mallory Holbert, who runs like a four-minute mile. But the horn goes off, and I'm looking to jog. 5K, I'm going to jog, and I'm not looking to wear myself out. Now, the 5K was in this office park, and it's one of these office parks where all the buildings kind of look the same, and the road kind of curves through the office park, so you never really know where you're at at any particular moment. But I don't care, because I'm there to run for five kilometers to justify the pancakes and mimosa I'm going to have at brunch. <laughs> so I'm running down the road with a pack of other runners, and we're just like following whoever's in front of us. We're just running. I'm listening to my podcast, jogging around this office park. But eventually, all of a sudden, I, I notice this building, and I go, didn't I run past this building 15 minutes ago? And then, my, and then my podcast comes to the end, and it was a long podcast. And I said, surely I'm not, not that slow. And then me and some of the other racers realized what had happened. We missed the turnoff for the finish line. And we were running as if there was no end in sight. We were lucky because they sent a search party for us. <laughs> and they finally found us and directed us to the finish line. And people were furious. They were so angry, yelling at the organizers and the police. Not me, though, because I was like, that justifies another mimosa at brunch. <laughs> but i got to be honest with you, that was the last 5K fundraiser the organization ever held. And I've thought a lot about that experience. Isn't that a lot like life? We're running along, distracted, what is ever happening inside our heads. We're, we're simply following the crowd where everyone else is going. But we really have no idea where we're heading. We're distracted from the direction we want to go. Are you distracted in your life? Do you know people in your life who are distracted? In our passage today, we see that Martha is a distracted person. Jesus is in town, and he comes over to Martha's house to visit. And I can imagine that this is a stressful moment for these two sisters. They have a celebrity rabbi coming over. He's coming to their house. And I can just imagine the conversation. Martha, Martha's saying to her sister, Mary, you know these, these rabbis, they love their matzah bread and their, their kosher wine. Hurry up. Clean up behind the couch. Tie up the sheep. Get out the manischewitz, the bagels, the locks. And when Jesus arrives, Mary just sits at his feet. Now as an older brother, this would have made me so mad. What does she think she's doing? That table's not going to set itself. Oh, I'm just going to do all the work around here? 
Martha's busy in the kitchen preparing the meal, and Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha looks to come and confront Mary. Jesus, look at her. Tell her to get up and help me. I can't do all this work by myself. And notice how Jesus responds. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, and there is need of only one thing. You are busy and distracted by many things, and there is need of only one thing. I believe Jesus is pointing out what it looks like in our lives to be overtaken with busyness. We get distracted, anxious, worried, when there is only one thing we should care about. Busyness is a form of distraction from the important things of life. It's often been said that an organization's budget is their true mission statement. I think the same might be said of our calendars. If we opened up our calendar, what would we see? Full of busyness of meetings and errands and appointments. What would it say about your life? What would it say about your priorities in life? Do you look busy? Where are you going? Are you just distracted? Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and distracted by many things. Do you know what it feels like to stand in Martha's shoes? Last week I referenced Walker Percy's first novel, The Movie Goer. Thanks everybody who went and read it this week. And the book tells the story of the protagonist, Binks Bowling. Binks is a, a stockbroker, spends most of his time flirting with secretaries and going to movies. But Binks, as you'll see in the book, is dissatisfied with his life. He's overcome with ennui and malaise. What I didn't mention last week is that in several of Percy's books, especially his early ones, they're fictional or narrative kind of representations of philosophical ideas that the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard had. And it's interesting that in the book, in, in his novels in general, Walker Percy tends to put the protagonist as somebody who should know what life's about, what's going on. They get it. Doctors, sociologists, scientists, psychiatrists. But inevitably what you find when you read is that they are given into what he calls despair. Despair. This is an idea and a concept he borrows from Kierkegaard. So it's not surprising that the moviegoer opens up on the very front page with an epigraph from Kierkegaard. It's an intriguing quote. Listen to it. The specific character of despair is precisely this. It is unaware of being despair. The specific character of despair is precisely this. It is unaware of being despair. Being in true despair is not knowing you're in despair. Despair comes in many forms in our lives. Maybe you're trapped in a dead-end career, and you don't realize that there are other options. Despair. Or maybe you have a troubled marriage, but you don't recognize it as troubled. Therefore, you can't go get help to heal it. Despair. Or maybe you're so busy with your life, you don't recognize you're busy. Despair. The key quote in the book is this. The search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. This image of sinking, of being sunk, and waking up to the search for what is most important, what is meaningful in human life. 
saying no to distraction. So many of us can identify with that corny Bruce Springsteen song, 57 channels and nothing on. Keep, has anyone ever done this? You just keep changing the channel aimlessly, wandering. You don't even recognize you're doing it. Springsteen in an interview said, 57 channels seems quite quaint now. We all do this. We all wrestle with busyness in our lives. We are distracted. And it's preventing us from focusing in on what really matters. One of the people who thought most clearly about distraction was a French theologian, philosopher, scientist, inventor, and mathematician, Blaise Pascal. And Pascal appeared to be a very busy guy. He designed Paris' transportation system invented the first calculator, and came up with the foundations for calculus. You can blame him, young people. (laughs) He did this all before the age of 39 when he died. This guy was anything but lazy. Pascal was also a prolific writer. And he wrote a lot about defending the tenability of the Christian life and the Christian religion and theology against the new science and modernism. And after he died, his followers collected some of these quotes, and they put them in a book called Ponce, and they published it. In one of the quotes, this is what he says. He says, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of people arises from one single fact, that they cannot stay quietly in their own room. In other words, Pascal is saying, we have a tendency to busy ourselves and distract ourselves because we think it will satisfy our heart's desires, but it actually is just a distraction that leads us to further alienation. At one point, he puts an even finer point on it. Pascal writes this, Distraction is the only thing which consoles us for our miseries, yet it is itself the greatest of our miseries. What is he saying? Pascal is saying that we often busy ourselves with various activities, sports, Business, entertainment, meetings, social media, et cetera, et cetera. And they're all fine and good, and that's okay. However, they can become distractions from what really matters, what he calls diversions from the most important things in life, things like God and friendship, love, purpose, life, and death. We busy ourselves so we don't have to think about these important things. But this distraction becomes our worst misery, makes us distracted and anxious and worried. Because distraction will never offer us the reward we truly seek. And so we become like Martha. Martha is busy preparing the meal, and that is a good thing. They need to eat, but it's not the most important thing. She has Jesus right there in her house but she's missing her opportunity to sit with him. She's distracted from the most important thing. What's the most important thing in your life? What busyness is getting the way of you focusing in on what's most important? I once heard a comedian tell a joke about parents who went to watch their kids at a choir concert, and they were busy fiddling with their phones, trying to record it, that they missed the concert and missed the performance to take a video that they'd never watch anyway. All of this distraction can make us feel overwhelmed. 
was talking to somebody about this idea. She said, well, maybe if we just moved to kind of a barren place, we got out of the hubbub of Roswell, the city, what, if we got away, maybe that would, that would quiet it down. I recommend her this book that came out in 2014, Overwhelmed by Bridget Schultz. She does this very thing. She travels to North Dakota, and she gathers with a group of farmers for a focus group to talk about their lives. We might think of North Dakota as a fairly barren place. Not a lot to do and not too many distractions. Listen to what she says. I quote, I quote directly. You'd think, wouldn't the North Dakotans enjoy their lives more? Wouldn't they have more time for what's important? But sitting around that focus group table, every single person was stressed out of their minds. One woman said the only leisure time she'd had was when she was awaiting her mammogram in the doctor's office. When we busy ourselves with distraction, we give into the lie that our value comes from the fact of how busy we are. In our culture, busyness is seen as a sign of success. It's a badge of honor. Have you ever heard anyone say, oh, wow, I haven't had a night to myself in weeks. Subtext, look how important I am. Oh, I've had back-to-back -back meetings all day. He must be very popular. I've just got too many demands on my time. She must be very successful. We should be careful with this approach to life. I'm reminded of the monk and spiritual writer Thomas Merton, who once said that the way that we structure our lives is like we, we spend our whole life climbing the ladder of supposed success only to get to the very top and then we realize we've leaned it against the wrong wall. There's nothing up there. Notice what Jesus says when he sees that Martha is worried and distracted. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is a need of only one thing. So what is the main thing? In her book, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World, Joanna Weaver writes about this in the spiritual life. She says, the secret of balancing worship and work, devotion and service, love of God and love of people, is maintaining our connection to Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him is the fulcrum, the anchor, the steadying point that makes balance possible in the first place. And the deeper that relationship goes, the more stable the balance will be. I believe the answer to our busyness, to our distraction, is to put Christ at the center of our lives. And let's arrange our lives according to what God says should be most important, to orient us in the right direction. But we can't do this unless we say no to distraction and busyness and diversions. We have to create space for God to speak to us. And this means setting aside time for rest, to practice quietness. So make sure you're taking a Sabbath every week. Make sure you're regularly setting time aside to pray. Take your son or your daughter or your spouse out to breakfast regularly and leave the cell phone in the car. 
Make, and for those of you who have jobs, make sure you use all of your vacation. Bring your calendar to church and make sure your priorities are set in the right order. Some of you might say, Jeff, I'm just too busy. And I tell you, I think we're too busy not to. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that we might say no to the busyness and distractions of our lives so that we can say yes to you. Lord, that we say have less of distraction and busyness so we can be more who you've created and called us to be. We thank you for your desire to set us free for what you worked in Martha and Mary's lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.